Well, hey, friends, glad to have you back for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And guess what? It is Christmas Eve. And so we want to say thank you for tracking along with us this year. Thank you for investing in your leadership by listening to these practical messages of leadership to help you get healthy so that you can reach more impact wherever and whomever you lead. You are important. You do important things. But please never forget that who you are is exponentially more important than what you do. Whose you are is more important than what you do. So as you sit back and as you slow down and as you rest more in this end of the year season, this holiday season, we hope that you are finding time to be restored, to be recharged and refueled by taking an extra nap, eating some good food, being present with your friends and family, whatever that may look like in this season. It may be different than what you're used to, but still find time and find ways to be present. And last but not least, we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Gabby Odom is on the podcast, and Alan sits down with her for a phenomenal conversation around the topic of what young leaders need from us, older leaders right now, or more seasoned leaders. So enjoy today's episode of the Right Side Out Leadership Podcast with Gabby Odom. Well, friends, I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of negativity about younger generations. And while well, I have kids in these younger generations, and I see some of the things that God is doing. And Gabby, you see a lot of what God's doing in this country, even across the world. And God's doing some incredible things. We want to talk about that. We also want to talk about empowering your generation, getting in the way at the right times and getting out of the way at the right times. But before we talk about what you're seeing out there, what is God doing in here in, in your season during this year? Yeah, that's a great question. It has been such a sweet season. It's definitely been hard and tiring and exhausting, as I'm sure so many of the people watching this are feeling as well. And I, I think specifically for me, it's been a really sweet season to just really be silenced and sit before the Lord in contentment and in solitude to really hear God's voice through the reading of his word. And so I think I've stayed just tethered to who God is when I feel like everything else around us is shaking and so uncertain. My foundation and refuge has been in Jesus Christ alone. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of noises. There's a lot of voices, so many opinions, the news, social media, crazy all the time. And, and so really, it's just been a sweet opportunity to kind of silence a lot of that and just listen to who God is. And so it has been refining and really, really sweet. Good, good. Now, what are you seeing uh, God doing, especially in your generation out there? Yeah, I think there is an awakening happening. And I I don't like to throw that out <laughs> just like flippantly, because I think we I don't know. These days we call everything revival. Everything's an awakening. Everything's a movement. But I truly did this past spring look at my class as, you know, so many things were being canceled and it was our senior year and it left a lot of people anxious, depressed, suicidal even. Um, I mean, even just the isolation alone leads to temptation of pornography and just less than that aspect and apathy and truly, I watched God use that season as a catalyst for the gospel, because even in like the midst of the anxiety and the depression, students' hearts and, and high schoolers' hearts are really softened right now. 
and they're asking a lot of questions. Now, you know, so many of the students, of course, are still walking in sin, still dead in sin, yet they're asking questions. And so I truly have watched God use this season as a means to wake up the church and for high schoolers and middle schoolers to look at their lives and say, man, like, what do I want to be able to say about 2020? Where is my foundation? What, what is heaven and hell? Like, where is eternity? And asking these real questions as life feels like slipping out of their fingers. And so I really do think that God is using this season to bring us closer to him as he does for his glory and, and for our good. So I am watching an awakening and I really do not like to use that word flippantly, but truly, I really believe that God will rise up the church for such a time as this. And I think that high schoolers hearts are being softened. Wow. Well, I'm, and I'm hearing stories uh, as well. So, and I, I understand saying, oh, I don't want to just call this something, but God is doing something and we can feel it and, and we can hear it. And so I love that you're seeing that as well. Can you describe for us as closely, carefully as you can, some of those young kingdom leaders that God is raising up in this season? Yeah, that's a great question. If I'm going to be super honest, I don't know. Like, I don't know how many I would say there are. I, I would say that there are a lot of leaders that are great communicator, communicators um, that a lot of people are watching. Like, we live in a generation where I have friends who can post a funny video on TikTok and all of a sudden have 500K followers. So I think there is a lot of leaders. Now, young kingdom leaders, I don't know how much there are. I think that it's a very, very few amount, but the few that I would say there are, I think are pursuing a reputation for godliness. And I've just been thinking a lot <laughs> about what we call leaders this day and age. And I think that if I listed, you know, so many like fathers of the faith, I think I would be able to say about a lot of them that they had a reputation for godliness. Now, if I took like 15 of the top people that my generation is listening to, the people that they're taking in, the people that they're listening to podcasts, listen, reading their books, all the things. I think I could say that they are have a reputation for being a good communicator, that they have a reputation for even loving people well, that they have a reputation for even making the church like attractive and friendly. But I don't know how many leaders, I would say, have a reputation for godliness. And, and so that is what I'm praying. Like Even in my small circles with close friends of mine who are pursuing Jesus, it comes back to like, hey, what does it look like for us to truly have a reputation for godliness, to pursue holiness, to pursue spiritual disciplines? And so how I would define young kingdom leaders, it's those people. It's the people who could care less if they're on a stage, but who are leading really well in their communities, who are loving really well, who are actually seeking to be the church, uh, to fight for the oppressed, to minister to the sick, to minister to the homeless, and, and so on. And so that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a, a hunger for godliness and to get back to spiritual disciplines of, hey, let's, let's be in the word. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's get spiritually healthy before the Lord before we try to lead other people. Mm. Yeah, can you uh, drill down a little bit on activism? Your generation mm. is so activistic. I think about my daughter 
Um, obviously, social media um, sort of rises and even boils around activism. Um, describe activism in some of the young kingdom leaders that you see in late teens and in their 20s. Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I'm discouraged in, in, in some capacities. I think my generation is really passionate. Like, I yes, mean, are. we are the generation that if there is, I mean, I even saw this in my, in my high school this past year of like, if there's a small issue in the school, like we are having a protest at the school board meeting like <laughs> that, that is my generation. And so if there is a hurt or a pain point in the world or in the nation or in the city, like we are blasting about it on social media, we are protesting, we are using our voice. Now, man, I think in, in a lot of ways, that's what activism is looking like. What I long for and what I'm not necessarily seeing in, in my generation is activism from a biblical worldview. And like, hey, let's use our voice. Let's shout it from the rooftops. But let's also walk in humility. Let's honor older people. Let's honor authority. Like, I think often my generation can act as like loose cannons and we just say whatever we want without kind of understanding the consequences or the implications of those words. And so to Christians, I think my, my heartbeat and something that God has just been ministering to me in this season is, hey, let's like quiet it down. Like, listen to me first, allow scripture to be the lens in which you look, look through and then walk in activism like through that, because the gospel requires us to move. Like it truly does. It starts with a, a heart being reconciled to God. But then as we have now become grafted into God's kingdom and have become sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, like we have a mission here on earth. And so it does require action. So the gospel has to lead to being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think, man, that is what I long to see in this generation um, what would it look like for us to not just post about it and not just tweet about it, not just protest about it, but actually get quiet before the Lord, talk with our parents, be honoring to older individuals, to church leaders and walk this out, be the hands and feet of Jesus. So that'd be my heart. But um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of layers and a lot of tensions in that. Everyone I think comes at activism with a different worldview, even a different approach. And so I would say, you know, in this, this time right now, I don't even think, you know, we're not at a war of ideas or beliefs. Like we are in a war of worldview and our worldview just shapes everything. And so that's where the war is happening. Like the, the argument and the wars and the opinions are happening because of our, our foundation and worldview. Mm. So what breaks your heart about mm. your generation? That's a great question. I love these. <laughs> Because, man, there's a lot that breaks my heart about this next generation, truly. Um, I am just seeing a generation that is really lost. And, and again, it, it goes back to this whole idea of, like, our generation, my generation as a whole, is just being told a lot of things. And there's just so many voices. And so it is terrifying how 
deep in sin I'm watching my generation walk in. And of course, like there's nothing new under the sun. Like sin is manifesting itself in different ways. I'm not the person to be like, oh my gosh, Gen Z is the most sinful of all generations. You know, it's like, well, we were all dead in sin. We're all children of wrath, like (laughs) sons and daughters of disobedience. So that is the reality. But I am watching a generation um, that is just really depressed, really lonely, isolating to social media, to pornography. And the enemy just has such a grip on on the heart of sinners. And, And with the church, even I would say, I, I'm seeing a generation that's pretty apathetic and it's unfortunate to see how many people call themselves Christians that really like just want enough of Jesus. Like they just want enough of Jesus to call themselves Christians and to think they're like, all right, but they don't want enough of Jesus to actually like fear God, repent from sin, be convicted, turn from their ways Mm -hmm and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And so that's what I'm praying. Like I'm praying for a greater fear of God, for greater reverence that would lead us into just unparalleled uh, repentance. And so I want to make like words like repentance trendy again. You know, I I feel like (laughs) doctrine these days isn't necessarily false, but it can be weak. And so, yeah, I, I think my generation has, um, unfortunately been fed a lot of weak teaching and soft doctrine and therefore they don't fear God. They aren't convicted of sin. They come to church and are told that they're all right. And it's just like this really fun hug at church, but not a call to repentance. And yeah, but I think of course, like in God's sovereignty, he is going to save those that will be saved. And I'm not worried about my generation and that's where like I get to trust, but also as a Gen Zer who loves God, it's this daily, this daily uh, choice of like, hey, am I, am I going to die to self myself? Like, am I going to choose to pick up my cross and follow Jesus? Like, am I actually going to choose to repent? And then how can I lead my friends into that as well? Mm. Yeah, what does your generation need from the older generations as we're watching this, as we're listening to this in your words. And we, we know your passion for scripture. We know your passion for the generation. I want to ask it as obviously as possible. How can we help? Because if we are over 30 years old, we have legacy work to do. So how can our generation help your generation? That's a great question. And um, me and my parents had this conversation like a couple of weeks ago, as literally my parents were saying the exact same thing you are saying as like, Hey, we're in our fifties And not that that means we're like getting old, but we also want to start to have the conversation of like, hey, how do we want to finish this race? Like, how do we want to finish running this race well? And and we just got to have, you know, that dialogue between, you know, between parents and child. But having the conversation of like, let's get back to simple mentorship and discipleship. Like, what would it look like for the older generation to just pick one, to just pick one young person, young leader, one middle schooler, one high schooler to really just take under their wing? And and for me, like, I'm a big fan of discipleship does not have to look like 
coffee shop dates at 8 a.m. But discipleship can just really look like, hey, I want to see your life. Like I want to imitate you as you imitate Christ. And so just an example of this, I just moved to Dallas about three weeks ago and I've been praying about like, hey, what will discipleship look like in this season? I had a, a mom who faithfully mentored me the past two years. And so wanting to make that transition as I come to Dallas and just yesterday, like such an answered prayer, this sweet uh, Latino woman had asked me to babysit her children and and asked if we could, you know, just like do six hours a week. And I went over to her house yesterday and just got to talk to her about what she's passionate about. This woman has like lived in China for 10 years, building the church. She has friends in Afghanistan, building the church. She lived in Ethiopia and is like so much of what I want to be when I'm a mom. Like she just loves her kids faithfully. She just adopted this sweet little African-American girl and is just loving her really well, teaching her English and just all the things. And we talked about the Bible. We talked about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I left that, that, that one and a half hour just talk thinking, okay, this is discipleship. Like allow me to babysit your kids. But then when you come home after your date night, like, can we just sit on the couch and talk about life and And as you're doing laundry, like, I just want to learn from you. I want to learn what it looks like to love God faithfully in your home, to disciple other women, to love your kids and raise them to know Jesus. And so for me, like, if there's one thing I would love to see the older generation partake in is like, hey, be willing to take us under your wing because we want it. And I don't think every young person would say that, but they need it. They really need it. We we need to follow older people who have gone before us because often we can get in this mindset of like, Hey, I have this new idea that older people, they just don't get it. Like they just don't get it. They haven't been through what I've been through. And I think that's just a, it's prideful, but it's also ignorant. Like there's just nothing new under the sun and y'all have gone before us. And so it would be foolish of us to not seek to learn from you. And so in that, like be willing to, to humble us, to come alongside us and, and to show vulnerability. Like I think often I can look at the older generation and be quick to assume, man, they've got it all together. And when an older leader sits down with me and says, hey, here's where I fell short in ministry. Here's where I, where I fell short in my personal life. Here's the sin I struggle with. Here's my ditches today. Like here are the, the ditches I have today. To be able to come into that and say, oh, okay. Like you're human too. You're not perfect Breathe a too. little bit. You're, you're yes, going to be okay. Like, that changes everything. And now we are, we're on a similar playing field in some ways. And so, yeah, I think vulnerability in that way is huge. Mm. Other than mentorship, vulnerability, are there a couple other things that we can do to put our hands on your shoulder and say, we want to empower you. We want to get really specific with us, Gabby. How can we empower younger kingdom leaders? That's great. I think not silencing passion, right? So there's like this tension of, humbling us like I I want older leaders to come alongside me and to like actually look at me in the face and tell me you do not have all the answers and you do not have it all together like I I need that personally um but then this other tension of like hey in that like please don't silence my passion like this passion is good it's it's pure it's and not all of it's pure but 
a lot of this passion, I truly believe is from the Lord. And so please do not silence it. And I think in that I have watched like very personally, um, both ends, like I've watched leaders empower me really faithfully and, and the opposite. And, and in a faithful way, I've watched older people give me a seat at the table when I did not deserve a seat at the table. And so whether if that means like, Hey, bringing you along in, in your ministry, being, bringing you along in, in whatever you're doing, allowing you input and brainstorming and crafting a whole program for something, man. And, and it's terrifying. And I think the, the immediate thought to an older leader is like, dang, they're going to mess it up. Like, I don't want to pass on the torch. Like they're going to mess it up and we will mess it up. Like, I think, I think that's ministry. Like we are going to mess it up. We're not going to do it perfectly, but as much as you can unleash um, opportunity and unleash a seat at the table for a young person and just listen to what they have to say, listen to how the Lord is stretching them. I think the kingdom will work more effectively and more beautifully because of it. And so it's just this really fun thing we get to do as we pass on the torch generation to generation. And so give that young leader a seat at the table, even if you are afraid they're going to mess up because they just will mess up. And that's where you get to come alongside them again and say, Hey, I'm going to help steward your gifts. Uh, I had a, a youth pastor, my like sophomore year of high school before I like ever thought I wanted to do ministry. And he came alongside me, which like best guy ever, but had just said, Hey, I see gifts of teaching in you. And I don't, I'm, I don't need you. I'm not going to like just put you up on platforms, but I want to help steward your gifts. And so anytime I would speak, we would meet beforehand. We would talk through, pray through, discern through theology. And then after I would speak, he would record me. We would go bit by bit through everything. If I said something that wasn't biblical, we'd walk through that. Um, if I said something that just wasn't received well from people, we'd walk through that. And so he was someone who really sought to steward gifts in me and wasn't just saying like, Hey, I see gifts in you. So like be a part of my platform. Like I want to step on you to get somewhere else. It was like, Hey, I see gifts in you. So I want to come alongside you and help steward and cultivate those gifts very specifically. And that has been, I mean, he's still, just a mentor of mine and someone I really look up to. And that relationship has continued through the past couple of years. But I have, man, been so impacted by older leaders who have said, hey, you're wild and not necessarily super equipped, but we're going to give you a seat at the table. We want to hear from you. We want to love on you. And those experiences have launched me into following Jesus in a way that truly has been unparalleled. We need more of that, more, <laughs> yes. more of that. Um, we have our foolish and prideful ways also. Permission to be honest, we need your honesty here. Yeah. Gabby, what are some things that older Christians are doing that are discouraging to younger leaders? That's a great question. Man, honestly, and again, I <laughs> I always think I have like... I think I feel probably really differently than the rest of my generation in the sense of like, I'm number one to be like, Hey, I'm such a, I'm a big fan of the older generation because I've watched 
my parents walk so faithfully. And so I think the people I listen to are maybe different than most of who my generation is listening to or taking in. Um, I think that's something that can be discouraging even, you know, and again, it's these tensions of like, there is nothing new under the sun. And so I don't want to be one to assume I like have solutions that the older generation didn't have, but even just in like the tension of injustice and all of the things, I mean, literally everything, sin, injustice, COVID, whatever you want to call it. I think I have been discouraged by some older leaders who fail to listen. And I, I mean, I think that's just like a, a human problem, but I think it's just this tension of like, there's nothing new under the sun. And yet let's look at 2020 and ask God like, hey, where do I need to open my ears? And where do I need to open my eyes to like actually see injustice for what it is? And how can I speak about the gospel in such a way that goes beyond personal salvation? And I, I have seen a lot of, of older leaders kind of stay there, like stay stay in, in the personal salvation bubble and not move forward. And again, I, do, I never want to minimize the gospel alone and like the, the sweetness of salvation. Yeah. And I, I don't hear you doing that at all. Allowing the gospel to permeate. Whereas I think the younger generation maybe wants to skip personal salvation and be like, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? So, so what would it look like for us to, to work together in that? But I have been discouraged by just this failure to be the hands and feet and a failure to listen in that of like, hey, can we just confess that the church has not always got it right? Um, can we confess that we don't always get racial reconciliation right? Can we confess that we don't always get this love and truth thing right often? And so, yeah, like I long to see just confession, confession to say and to raise our hands and say, I don't get it right either. And I don't have this figured out perfectly either. And I don't like even, I mean, man, being mixed and raising up, being raised in Minnesota and now moving to Dallas has just been this funny thing of like, I'm learning a lot as I, like even in the racial tension, as I seek to be the bridge as a young mixed female, like what does that look like? And for me to raise my hand and say, hey, like I just don't get it right often. And so, yeah, I'd love to see just a, a honesty um, to admit that the older generation isn't perfect and that, yeah, just a, a, a propelling to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to not be so terrified that by talking about injustice, we're going to minimize salvation. I think like if even I've noticed this in my personal life, like if I if I like start to talk about fighting for injustice or start to talk about these like practical things. I think in some ways, the older generation, it's out of protectiveness, but in some ways out of fears of, I think they can look at me and be like, man, I'm afraid she's missing salvation. I'm afraid she's missing the gospel. And like, I I want there to be that trust of like, Hey, if I'm tethered to the vine, like trust that I'm trust that I am, I'm starting with the gospel 
trust that I'm starting with scripture and then trust that like this fight for injustice and fight for, you know, to seek and save the loss that it's coming out of there. And then let's like, let's grab hands and do it together. Mm, Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. What I hear is honor and honesty. And that's one reason that I love how you share is because those two can go together. They're parallel tracks. And too many times we think we either have to honor or be honest. And the reality is we can do both. We need both Mm -hmm. uh, right now, especially if we're going to bring generations together, equip one another and do ministry together side by side. So thank you for that. A couple of quick ways uh, that we can pray for your generation. That's a great question. I literally, I even wrote some down that I want, I don't want to miss. Um, Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of talked about this a little bit, but I am just seeing like literally so many worldviews at war, even among Christians. And of course, like I, you know, we would love to say that the church all has a biblical worldview, but that's just not the case. And, and a lot of that comes from just a lack of, of not knowing God's word. Um, and so I think one of the number one ways you can pray for my generation is that we would actively pursue a biblical worldview um, and that our, our passion would be directed towards the most godly things. And I think that my generation just really confused and they're being told, we're being told a lot of ideas but one layer deep, like I think most of us don't understand the worldview in which these ideas are coming from. Mm. And, and so ideas have consequences. And at Watermark, um, our pastor always says like bad ideas have victims. And, and that terrifies me that like ideas have consequences, whether good or bad, but like bad ideas have victims. And I'm watching that unfold in my generation that they're being told a lot of ideas the good ideas I pray and I believe are coming from a biblical worldview and I pray are steering people towards Jesus Christ. But those bad ideas, which I, I would say are most of them are in some ways, in a lot of ways, victimizing my generation to just false theology, false doctrine. It's victimizing them to sin and, and temptation and destruction. And so, yeah, I mean, if there's, one way you could pray for my generation, it would be that we would just seek to know a biblical worldview, that God would make his word very clear to us, that he would continue to draw my generation closer to himself, that he would continue to reveal his character to my generation, and that our passion would be focused and directed to biblical means of of walking out and playing out that passion, right? And so I mean, we just have a lot of passion, but left on our own and and left to our own eyes, you know, as as judges in in judges when the Israelites were just walking in in what they deemed right in their own eyes and were walking in in so much sin and so much destruction. Like I see that in my generation. Like we all want to walk in what we see fit in our own eyes. And so man, if we could just put glasses over that and, and glasses that like truly are a biblical worldview so that the lens in which we look through would be most godly and most biblical, like everything would change and my generation would come to see Jesus in a new light. So yeah, that's like kind of loaded, but 
truly a sound biblical worldview and that our passion would be directed to the things of God and, and to biblical means. Yeah. And right after this session ends, um, if you can write those down and I invite you to pray together. Some of you are individually in your living room. Some of you are in conference rooms together. Some of you are with friends in living rooms, leaning in, uh, you know, my, my daughter is not that much younger than you. And, and I think through how do we pray for this generation? Gabby yeah. just gives you very specific ways to pray. And let's make sure you take a few moments after this to write those down, to continue to pray. I want to commit to that, Gabby. And so thank you for that. Uh, so refreshing. You are preaching. You are bringing it, girl. I love it. Um, the last question is we want to zoom out just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be at the ripe old age of 28, right? In 10, in 10 years. Yes. Uh, so as you zoom out in 2030, what do you want people to say about how you lived and led through 2020? This is my favorite question because truly when COVID started and then of course in June and May, like just all the racial tension, th this was the exact question that I was like journaling and asking myself before the Lord. And man, as I like zoomed out in, in my quiet time before the Lord, the one thing God continued to bring, bring me back to that honestly, I pray like each one of us will be brought back to is just this like simple, simple reality and just prayer of like, God, when I look back on 2020 and when I look back on, on how I led and how I loved, I just want to be found faithful. Like, I just don't know all the answers. And I think there's just so many tensions and layers in every conversation, right? It's like, no mask or mask. Like, it's just like all these, like, no one knows, like post about racial injustice or don't post about it if you don't have something to say. You know, it's just like, there's so many opinions and layers. And I think that can make me feel really exhausted because I'm like, man, God, I don't know. I don't know how to respond. And yet I just want to be found faithful. Like when all of this is in textbooks one day and everyone is talking, culture is talking, about how the church responded, like, will they say that we walked in a way um, that was faithful? Like, will they say that we actually fought for injustice in the way that we promised we would in times like this? Like, will will the world say that we love the homeless and, and love the sick and, and cared for the vulnerable in, in these times like we said we would? Like, will we be found faithful? And so I think it's really easy to be fearful in this day and age and to be stressed. And what I do know is I know that God is sovereign. I know that he is so providential. I know that he is enthroned forever and will be. And I know that ultimately like Romans eight, that the sufferings of this present time do not compare to the glory that will be revealed to us. And so like, that's, that's what I can stand on. But in the midst of this, I just want to be found faithful. And yeah, like that doesn't mean that I have all the answers, but it's this posture of like, when I look back and when I'm telling my kids about this someday and when they're asking me like, mom, how do you fight for injustice? Like, how did you seek revival in your generation? I don't know if I'm going to have these like great ideas or these like revolutionary, like whatever movements 
But in all of that, like, I just want to be able to say that I sat before the Lord, I opened up my Bible and I asked God, how can I be faithful? Period. Like, that is all I want. I want faithfulness over everything. Like, I mean, fruit will hopefully be produced in this season. Praise God. But I just want to be faithful at the end of the day. So long.